Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Too Old to Tumble podcast. This week we'll be talking about new fitness trends for 2020 and this episode is going to be in two parts because uh, there's really a lot to go through. So every year the American College of Sports Medicine carries out a worldwide survey among a, various, a variety of members of the fitness industry going from gym owners to clinical practitioners to corporate divisions to non-profit organizations all of them linked to the fitness world. The purpose is to identify new fitness trends so that uh, fitness professionals can better direct their investments and class programming. Uh, for consumers, so for you, the results of this survey show you what the industry think you want and what type of activities you're more likely to invest in. Uh, whether it's true or not, it's all to be seen, but this is what the industry, fitness industry thinks you want. Um, how does this help you? Well, it kind of helps you understand why your local gym might favor certain types of activities over others and it gives you an opportunity to influence next year's trends by asking for what you want as opposed to making do with what your gym think you want. So you, you, know, you might see classes dropping off or new ones being added to the, to the schedule um, it's, all it's all because they're taking into account what the survey said. Um, at the end of the day, you know, gyms are businesses and so they have to make money and they will forever repackage the same thing over and over again with different names just to keep you coming back. Which is it's not a bad thing because if it keeps you interested, you keep going back and you're the one who benefits from it. As, as well as the gym, but you're the one who gets the most benefit because it's your health. Uh, for the gym, it's just money. For you, is actually your health and your life. So it's a win-win situation. Um, the original article published in the ACSM's Health and Fitness Journal, uh, does, there will be a link in the episode description to it, so if you want to read the full thing. Um, the, this the original article explains how the data was collected and processed to produce the survey results. I would spare you the details, it's really, really that boring, but if you wish to check it out, just click on the link below and you can have a good read. And it also tells you, explains what the difference between a trend and a fad, whereas a trend is something that people are likely to be doing over long term, whereas a fad is something that's going to flash in the pants or something they do for a little while, for a short while, and then they're going to give up. So the on we go to the this year's trends. So the number one trend is wearable technology, like last year. And this is estimated to be a $95 billion industry. So it's really no surprise that the one thing that doesn't help anyone get fit is the number one trend. Big money. So that is why this is believed to be the number one trend and why you probably find that people are going to try to sell you bracelets and, and other things. Um, a lot more than they, they normally would. So this is something that kind of pisses me off quite a lot because I often hear people saying things like, oh, I'm going to start exercising more as soon as I get my, my Fitbit, my, my wearable gizmo. As soon as, as, soon as I get that, I'm going to start exercising. I think, mm, okay. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the time, the only extra exercise that these people do is checking the wrist. But guess what? That alone doesn't help you run faster or shed extra fat. Fitness gizmos only give you feedback. You still have to sort out your nutrition and do your workouts if you want to see the changes. 
And although feedback is good, I find that people tend to rely a lot on these um, on, on, on these accessories, uh, which that's all they are. They tend to rely a lot on them rather than focusing on doing the things that actually bring about change. So one of my favorite ways in which fitness watches are misused is when people check how many steps they walked. Um, then they realize that they are somewhat short of the recommended 10,000 a day. And therefore, after that, they just go on a frenzy to accumulate these steps before midnight strikes and the clock resets. And I think that's so wrong. Because if you haven't done 10,000 steps in, in, in a day, there's, there's absolutely no point in killing yourself to try and accumulate them. Because just leave it, rest, and then do it, do it again. Be more mindful of your programming the next day. Make sure you create space to do a little bit more throughout the day so that by the end of the day you would have walked your 10,000 steps if that is your goal and I can appreciate that for some people there is a need to be able to monitor the, the health status um, but everyone else who wears these things wearing that uh, thinking that they will solve all their fitness problems they really deserve to do a thousand burpees right now um, at number two we the number two trend is high interval intensity. Sorry, high intensity interval training. Now, this modality of training is at the top of the useful trends, and thankfully for a good reason. Over time, HIIT has proved to give some really good results with short duration but intense workouts. Time is at a premium for everyone, and being able to get a full workout in 30 minutes instead of slugging it out for six for 60 can increase adherence uh, as well as making it easier for people to squeeze in a cheeky little workout during their lunch break obviously if they have access to a gym nearby um, it's not just about convenience though it's about maximizing the time window which exercises positive stress for your body and most likely to lead to positive changes if you exercise for over 45 to 60 minutes intensely and, and on a regular basis your body will start to get uh, negatively stressed. And at that point, your workout becomes ineffective. In fact, it can be completely counterproductive because you're triggering the stress hormones like cortisol, which uh, it, when, when, you, when, you, when you're doing a short workout, cortisol in, in combination with the, uh, your adrenaline helps you lose fat but after a long time of exercising it becomes like stress so actually causes you to accumulate fat and burn muscle so um, that's the reason why it's been proven that it's more effective to go go in exercise short sharp walk away um, so that's one of the benefits the real the true benefit of doing the high intensity training uh, the thing is when you go through the rest of the top trends from now on, you will realize that everything else can be bundled with HIIT, as this is just a style of training. It's not a different set of exercises. It's just how you carry out the exercises. And I know that some people have reservations on how safe high-intensity interval training is, but in my opinion, as long as you're sensible with your planning, you will be more than safe when you exercise in this way. So... By all means, have a go and you will find that your gym will be offering more of these classes to keep you going and to make sure you get 
results. You start seeing results very quickly because that is also what keeps you motivated and keeps you going back. And number three, we got group training. And I'm not sure why this is a trend, but but, I, but it is, according to the, to the survey. So group training is defined as any classes with five or more participants. But this is just about any class out there, whether it's cardio-based, resistance training, or learning a skill like, you know, your pole dancing, your martial arts, your whatever, your yoga, and, and, and so on. So the benefits of training as part of a group are, are, are multiple, are numerous, but, and these include accountability, uh, affordability, camaraderie, motivation. It offers a social occasion, and also it kind of nurtures a little bit. If it manages to nurture a little bit of healthy competition, you find that you work a lot harder than you would on your own just because you want to be better than the person next to you. Comparisons are not always good, but sometimes they can give you the little extra push that helps you achieve more than you thought possible. At number four, we got training with free weights. Again, I'm, just, I'm not sure why this is even a trend because it's just how you train and it's not like a standalone thing. But anyway, but perhaps, you know, people have finally come to realize Therefore, the majority of exercises, a good session with free weights is far more useful than doing three reps with each one of the machines in the gym. M machines are great and can be very, very useful for zoning in on a specific issue, uh, but free weights are better for the most people because they mimic everyday movement patterns uh, and they also quickly show you asymmetries in your strength as well as test your coordination and balance. And number five, we got personal training. And obviously I'm biased and I think this should be number one. But training one-to-one -one with a personal trainer remains a popular trend. And, and thank goodness for that. Because these days it's easier than ever to access the wealth of expertise in all things fitness that a good PT can offer. You don't just have to walk into a gym. You can access them online or you can access them, they can come to your home. So it's it's a lot easier to, to get to get hold of a, of a personal trainer these days. And uh, a good partnership will allow you to achieve your results much faster than on your own because uh, you avoid uh, common pitfalls along the way. It's good to feel supported and guided throughout your journey, knowing that your program has been created for you as opposed to you having to find a program that you like and then find ways to make this generic program work for you. And although teaching you how to do this is also part of learning through a personal trainer, but it's so much easier. And then when if you are lucky enough to get a good rapport with your trainer straight away, then you find that uh, that rapport is what's going to propel you to heights that you never thought you would be able to achieve. And I had this so many times. Every time, it never gets old with clients when you get to that point. Right. <clears throat> At number six, we have exercises medicine. Now, this is a global health initiative aimed at persuading doctors and other healthcare providers to prescribe exercise to their patients as a way to, of preserving and improving health. And if only I could persuade my GP that this is a good idea, I'll be ever so happy. Uh, the thing is, if you feel that you might benefit from working with a fitness professional to get your healthy habits back on track, you really want to ask your doctor about EIM. And with a bit of luck, 
unless you're like my doctor, with a bit of luck, they might even be willing to point you in the right direction. Um, but this is something that's really important, I think, and, and you really need to nag your doctors to send you to see a, a fitness professional. In the same way they can refer people to physiotherapists, they should be able to refer uh, patients to personal trainers. And number seven, we have body weight training. And I absolutely love body weight training. To me, in my opinion, from my experience, it's the most practical and functional style of training. And it's the one modality that can give you superhero moves. Now, not that it's important to be like a superhero, but I, I promise you that vaulting over obstacles with speed, grace and accuracy is way more satisfying than bench pressing 150 kilos. And I know powerlifters will disagree with me, but um, there are so many different styles of training that you can choose from. There are <clears throat> some that focus, that focus more on, on strength, on developing strength, whereas others focus more on agility and others still encourage creativity and expression, like all your dance classes and uh, your gymnastics classes or your or you're just doing like uh, body weight strength when you're doing things, when you see people doing calisthenics, that's strength, that's strength and, and also agility combined, but mostly strength. And uh, that you've got plenty of choice to choose from. But if you are reluctant to try this and you because you think that perhaps body weight training is not going to give you enough of a challenge, I say try doing chin ups. Try doing chin ups first of all when you're doing bicep curls, you, you're, you're curling your whole body weight. And now if, if that's still not enough of, of a challenge, try doing the chin-ups while holding yourself upside down on a pole. And then tell me if that's not challenging. Or even perform a three-minute flow using movement, movements from quadrupedal, quadrupedal style of training, like animal flow, uh, which I teach. And I can promise you, after I see the super fit people, the, the master instructors and the guy who created the, the style of training, after... A 30-second flow, one-minute flow, they're all huffing and puffing because it's so, so hard and so challenging, even if it doesn't look like it. But try it and then see how your body changes it and, and how you how much you struggle with it. And if you perform it with correct form, you will find that uh, you don't really, you're not going to need weights to make, to, to increase the challenge for quite some time. Now, at number eight, we got fitness programs for older adults. And again, I'm biased because I'm old. And this should also be a number one, in my opinion. Now, I was reading an article a few days ago that mentioned that more of us in our 50s right now can expect to live well into our 100s. And, you know, although I welcome longevity, I just really couldn't care less about being 110 if I'm going to have to be in bed all day because I can't move and, I, and I'm not... I'm unable to be totally independent. So I believe that it's now more important than ever to start taking your fitness seriously, especially if you are already in your 50s. Your muscles will start disappearing at an alarming rate, and so will your strength, unless you use it. Your metabolism will slow down as your sex hormones decline, and you will be more vulnerable to stress. And and this is this was the good news. The bad news is this before you start dealing with an increased risk of developing diabetes, decreasing bone density and a whole lot of other unpleasant consequences of getting older. Although you cannot stop the aging process, you can slow it right down and make lifestyle choices that will keep you younger for longer. 
Now, this is why more baby boomers and members of Generation X should really make their way to the gym or work out at home, perhaps with a personal trainer. The important thing is that you ask for a program that is specifically designed to cater for the needs of older adults in order to allow for slower progress with safety in mind, as the risk of being seriously injured from a minor mishap are, are far greater than, than they were like when you were in your 30s stuff. Number nine is uh, health and wellness coaching. Now, this is one of my bugbears. I have a problem with this even being a thing. Now, because this is because my experience with wellness coaches is people who normally work for an MLM company who have attended the weekend training somewhere in a hotel in the country. And on the back of that weekend training, they come out of it and they feel entitled to go out and, and dish out advice on how to live a healthier life without having it done themselves first. So if I had a pound, that's a pound sterling for every unhealthy health coach who tried to persuade me that I need 50 different supplements to feel good and then try to teach me how to get fitter, I wouldn't need clients. I'd be so fucking rich. But so beware of these individuals and I'm sure they're all, they have all the best intentions in the world. Um, and for somebody who is already healthy living averse, a wellness coach might be the first step towards changing habits, but always check their credentials first. Make sure they have some kind of qualification in health, fitness, or anatomy and physiology, or nutrition qualifications, because if their advice for you to live a better life ends up costing you hundreds in pills and potions, you just need to run like the clapper, because you're not going to be helped, they get rich, you get poor and you're not going to feel any better. And that's almost guaranteed. Um, at number 10, we have employing certified fitness professionals. I'm not sure why this is a trend again, but uh, this is, I think this is already covered in um, personal training in a, before, that was discussed before. But always remember that in order to qualify as a fitness professional and be included in a national register of certified professionals, people have to have completed a certain amount of studies in anatomy and physiology on top of their chosen qualification. Um, so this gives you, the client, the peace of mind that your trainer or gym instructor has a minimum of knowledge of how the human body works and therefore can guide you safely through your exercise program and advise you appropriately and I'm pretty sure that it's still the case that there aren't the law are quite shady on this so you don't necessarily have to have any qualifications to offer services as a fitness professional but I, I might be wrong on this but you know always check and I'm surprised that in nearly 10 years of working as a personal trainer only one person just the one person asked to see my credentials. So always check, stay safe, and make sure you're getting advice from somebody who's qualified to give advice. And um, this is it for this first part of the podcast. Uh, keep checking back for part number two, where we go through the rest of the fitness trends, the ones that don't quite make the top ten. Thank you for listening. and. I'll speak to you again very soon. Bye-bye.